What a privilege it is to be with you here in Kingsgate today. It's special. And I just really hope that as we take a few moments to just look at the Word of God, look at our life, listen to what heaven could be saying to us, that you walk out knowing that Jesus has touched your life. Because it's so important that we give God those moments. And sometimes it's a bit like, oh, I just want to keep my head down and keep going. But it's like, oh, breathe out. You've done Christmas. You made it. <sighs> breathe out and let God really minister to you today. So thank you, Kingsgate, for your amazing welcome. It's always an honor to come. So today, 2018, mundane and miraculous mundane and miraculous. Or maybe I should say, I've come here very deliberately to invade your space to trigger you to think, how could God get into my world in a deeper way in 2018? How should the miraculous invade? You know, at Christmas time, we sort of believe in angels. You know, heart the herald angels sing. We have skies filled. We have a baby born in a manger. We have a virgin giving birth to a redeemer, savior of the world. You know, Mary, did you know that the baby you kiss, you're kissing the very face of God? You know, amazing pictures of heaven touching earth, earth touching heaven. And suddenly that seems quite permissible for Christmas. But surely in our lives, we should carry that expectancy that we are Jesus' portrayers every day of our lives. Heaven should be invading our earth space all the time, our workspace. Should we have mundane full stop? No, there should always be that little God sneak attack in our everyday world. You see, I believe that God wants to infiltrate. Heaven wants to come to earth. Sometimes we only think about heaven or look at it when a loved one dies or a friend dies and we begin to let that veil of heaven touch and we look up into heaven and we see heaven and it's earth to heaven. But I want to make you think, what about heaven to earth? What about heaven coming on earth? What does it look like? What about angels helping us? You know, we think about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But what about heaven? Is heaven more than just the Holy Spirit helping me? I thought about Peter when he was locked up in prison. And when he was led out of prison, it wasn't the Holy Spirit that led him out. It was an angel that led him out and helped him. In fact, if you read your Bible, you'll find 97 references to angels interacting with men on earth, 82 of them in the New Testament. So with that thought in mind, and I was preparing this sermon because I needed to get my notes. This house is very efficient and um, I needed to get my notes, etc. here before Christmas. And so I was in Egypt when I was preparing this message for you. When I flew out to Egypt, it was great, warm, lovely. When I came back, I'm sorry just to do this, but I really love my countdown clock and I'm already on minus 35. So I'm a little bit worried that I've already, I'm having a moment. Thank you, that helps me. Otherwise, you'll be here the rest of the day. <laughs> Thank you. And so here I am on my flight back from Egypt 
And when I had flown, it was 10 degrees centigrade and I had no scrapers, the ices. Now I'm coming home and it's a frozen chosen. And I'm thinking, oh dear Jesus, and I hate the scraping deal with a car. And the other mad thing because of my schedule is I was getting in my car and immediately driving down to Eastbourne to do an evening service. And I really didn't want to have to do scrape, scrape, scrape. So I said, dear God, you've been speaking about miraculous invading mundane and there's nothing more mundane than having to scrape my car right now when I haven't got my scraper de-icer. Could you please send angels to my car and get it all completely done so I can just jump and get on that M25 and be down before Russia? So I'm on the shuttle coming around and I'm just praying and I'm looking at all the cars, frozen, solid. And I'm thinking, dear Jesus, please. And as we round the corner, I see my car literally silhouetted or highlighted with sunbeams as the sun has struck through the two buildings and my car is totally frost-free. And in the bus, forgetting where I am, I'm like, Jesus, thank you. And the guy goes, what did you just say? I said, Jesus, thank you. He said, I said, look at my car. I said, I just prayed for angels to defrost my car. And he says, seriously? I said, seriously, look at my car. I said, where's yours? He said, don't go there. (laughs) Come on. But with that very maybe childlike story, God put an expectation in my heart to come and preach to you. Come on, let's expect heaven to work with us on earth. How many of you need, need a bit of help just to do life well? And I just felt God smile. I love that my God loves me enough to understand my language and humor me. So 2018, Isaiah 8 18. Can you say that with me? One, two, three. 2018, Isaiah 8, 18. One more time. 2018, Isaiah 8, 18. What does that mean? Well, it's a verse in the Bible and it reads like this. So read it with me. One, two, three. Behold, I am the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. What does that mean? Well, here's a prophetic person. Prophetic, what does that mean? It means someone who looks into heaven and hears the God sound in their everyday sound. So today, as I speak to you, I want you to hear the God sound. Maybe you've looked at 2017 and you thought, I didn't like that. That didn't make sense. But I believe I've come here to give you context, give you perspective, to help you say, oh, this is that. And help you look back at maybe things you've studied, like the bountiful harvest. And you've heard the whole series taught fantastically, but you still couldn't quite find the context in your life right here, right now. Well, that's why I've come to say, hello, look at it this way. Look at this perspective. That's one of the gifts of God speaking to us and stepping us back to look up, to look down and helping us get a grip of our life in a new way. And so you see, here are the children the Lord has given me. It's a, it's a poetic way of saying, there are, God has put things in your hands. God has put tools in your hands. There's things that you have got to birth, that you can bring forth. There's, there's signs and wonders. What's a sign and wonder? Well, many people say I am. People go, what is she on? A sign and a wonder. Strange, weird, whatever. She 
what is that? That's Rachel. There's only one of me, don't worry. But you see, there's something that you have that turns ahead, makes people go, what is that? And so often we think a sign and a wonder is a da-da-da-da. Often it's just little things. How many of you know it's the little things like that guy in the bus? He was quite jealous with my angel team. They did a brilliant job. He had to hack his Range Rover out of the ice. But I knew it turned his head. You see, here are the children. Here's stuff that God's given to birth out of my life that are signs and wonders in Israel, in the nation I live in, right in my space. And they come from God on high. God wants to gift you things to make a difference. So thinking all these things, I do something which for me is quite mundane. Get off a plane, get in a car, get to the hotel, check-in desk, check-in. And I'm thinking, 2018, Isaiah 8.18, writing your notes. And suddenly, still reflective, reminiscing, this guy looks and says, Oh, hello, Mrs. Hickson. We've checked, got a great room for you. Your room is 8.18. I said, pardon? He said, your room, Mrs. Hickson, 8.18. Here's the card just to prove it in case you think I'm right. And in that moment, I said, yay, God, I love the way. And I want to put an expectation in you. Let God tapestry into your life. Begin to ask for help. Begin to ask for assistance. Begin to dream. What does heaven on earth look like? You see, how many would say your workplace can be pretty mundane? You know, nine to five every day, I need the salary. You know, the classic I.O., I.O., it's off to work we go. And you may think that's the main reason I go. It's just because I have to get the money. But you see, in that very mundane is an amazing God of miracles that wants to surprise you with his goodness, his love, his father heart for you, but also make you a sign and a wonder to give other people hope in a time when it can feel hopeless. You see, I believe right in your workplace, in your community space, you have got a part to play. God said to me, this is a day for Daniel's and for Joseph's. Now in the Bible, these two men, Daniel and Joseph, are really heroes. Daniel stood up in the Babylonian empire. He had a couple of friends. I used to always remember them as make the bed, shake the bed, and a bed you go. Shadrach, Meshach, a bed you go. You can see I was a brilliant Sunday school teacher. All the kids came up and said, we learned about shaking the bed, making the bed, and the parents were all going, what? But Daniel had three other friends, and they were all young Christian, God-loving guys in a Babylonian culture, which is pretty anti-God, had high sexual promiscuity, had very low morals, and a lot of stuff went on which was dodgy. But right in the midst of this, Daniel stood up and he reversed a lot of curses and he set a new precedent. And he said, I'm going to raise up the miraculous in the mundane. Right now, in your workspace, it's a day for Daniel's. So I said, God, What is a Daniel like in 21st century? And this is what he said to me. Daniels are my chosen ones, or Danielas, male or female. They're going to carry supernatural intelligence. They're going to have the ability of profound wisdom and problem-solving abilities. They will understand riddles and mysteries. They will be able to navigate difficult 
places. They will sort complex legal and governmental issues with grace and truth. And I believe God wants to raise up incredible Daniels and Daniels in the mundane place of trying to figure through Brexit. Our social agendas of what we do with transgender, marriage and that, and make it look great in our community and for our society. Looking at the national health system, looking at the education system, we need Daniels, outstanding supernatural wisdom who can pioneer and do something way above what we can naturally do. Bringing miraculous into mundane and people go, woo, who are you? I'm just a Jesus person bringing a little sparkle of miracle into the mundane of the national health, the education, social um, society. What about Joseph's? Well, Joseph, he was in the Egyptian empire. He didn't start out life great. He had a bad temper and he murdered someone. And then after 40 years, he did a journey. But he ended up being the president of Egypt. And he was known for being able to turn a nation that was on the edge of famine and economic ruin because of agricultural um, breakdown and turn the whole thing around. So I said to God, what does Joseph look like in the 21st century? And he said, these are people who are able to steward and create healthy storehouses and serve people in times of hardship and know how to trade with funding in good times too. You see, one of the things of our culture and society is we're like, grab it, spend it. If I got it, use it. And we're not very good at stewarding. We're not very good at storehouse, especially, and I don't mean to be mean, but I live in Oxford with students and our under 35s, it's a different sort of mindset of the storehouse mentality. But I believe God wants to raise up incredible Josephs and Josephines, incredible outstanding people, not just of your under 30s, many in your Caleb, in your over 60s, 70s, who are going to come together, think tank, how can we steward and storehouse the resources of the kingdom of God to help people do life well? How can we upgrade people? How can we raise our standard of living to raise our standard of giving and so really change our society. I believe this is a day. Come on. We love you, Jesus. You see, God wants you to have a divine understanding of financial times, to be able to store wealth and use the assets for blessing homes, communities, and nations. 2018, signs and wonders. Maybe you say, great, Rachel, but I'm not going to be one of those sort of outstandings I'm just little me. But it's time that you recognize your harvest. Because you see, I do believe and I want to stir those in the financial and the intellectual areas. Come on, wake up. Please give us and use your gifting. But every one of us is sowing and something's growing. If you sow, it will grow. And so often we get mesmerized by what other people have done. And we can then feel very diminished. And already in this service, it's been stated that you've been looking at harvest and promises and what your life produces. And you might have even listened to the whole series of amazing teaching and come out saying, yeah, great. But where is it for me? 
Well, Jesus asked me, and I didn't even know you'd done that series, but Jesus asked me so clearly to take some time today at the end of 2017 to say, come on, don't be overwhelmed by, by the mundane, the ordinary, and just dismiss yourself. Don't look at 2017 and think, what happened to me? Because God's got a verse for you. I didn't choose Psalm 65. I chose 85. And this is what it says. Read it with me. One, two, three. Yes, the Lord pours down his blessings. Our land will yield its bountiful harvest. Yes. I believe there is a yes in the atmosphere over your life. Maybe what you hear between your ears is, nah, I'm nothing. Nah, I failed. But actually, you've come into the house of God today, and we want to rewind the tape and press a different button. Yes, 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 God pours out an incredible blessing. Yes, there is a blessing, and your land will yield, oh, bountiful, bountiful harvest. You see, I feel that God wants you to walk out with a yes over your life today. I realized that actually I had a wrong expectation of harvest. I'm a reflective, a bit of a dreamer, spend my life with people a lot. But if I'm really honest, my sweet spot is taking my chocolate Labrador by myself and walk and process. I like to think. And so I was reflecting because I'd done an awesome day with an amazing charity that I've worked with for over 25 years, a little bit like you. And I think, well, here's little Rachel. I've got my ministry, my charity. And this charity, I'd started right at the beginning. I can remember sweating and praying with them to believe for their first 10,000 pounds to begin to get an office and employ some people. It was a message trust with Andy Hawthorne up in Manchester. 25 years ago, there were nine of us in the room, Gordon, myself, Andy, Michelle, and four others. And we were praying. And now, 25 years on at their celebration, I was there being their speaker for their prayer day. And we were looking at the accounts, 5.8 million pounds they had believed God and financed through the Message Trust in Manchester and this nation this year. Shifting change, isn't that fantastic? And as I looked at that, I thought, whoa, that is bountiful harvest. I listened to the stories of drug addicts, prisoners, ex-offenders now in work, um, Eden projects in so many cities where whole streets have been reformed and renewed and um, young people have got back into school and education. Just, and I'm just going, this is amazing. I'm driving home and I'm sort of thinking, God, wow. I think about Kingsgate. I've been on a journey with you over 25 years. Look at you. From that little primary school where we sort of went down this curve and you try not to fall off the edge. I, always, I don't know why. I always remember there was this little bit and you mustn't fall off the edge down there as you walked into quite a packed little place in the regional college. And I remember the WOW team making those bathrooms look amazing because they weren't, but they were. Um, <laughs> and then now look at this. And so you sort of look at Bountiful Harvest, you see, well, that's a real harvest. That is real faith. That's real ministry. And little Rachel was driving home and thinking, have I missed it? Have I done enough? Because I don't have a budget of over millions. I don't have a staff of hundreds. I don't have big buildings, a church of thousands. I'm just little Rachel. I go to Oxford Hillsong, which I absolutely love. 
have loads of young people. I, I'm naughty. I just sneak in all sorts of places and do things. And they all go, did she really say that? Did she really do that? Yep. And I get away with it. And I'm right driving home. I said, God, did I miss it? Have I done enough? Is this the yes of a bountiful harvest? And then I'm walking with my dog, Oxfordshire, beautiful farming. And there's a massive, massive field. And I was off on the top and I was watching the new combine harvesters just reap this field. And all the big square bales falling off the back. Boom, boom. I thought, that's harvest. And at that moment, God said, no, look left. Look in the hedgerows. This is harvest too, Rachel. I want to take you on my walk. He told me, take pictures. This was about five minutes. And these are the pictures. We just go through them. And it was just like, this hedgerows was nuts. It was packed with every sort of berry. Just full. And I came to the end of the walk and I just looked at it and I thought, okay, I suppose that's harvest, but I never really thought of blackberries as a harvest. I mean, it's the wheat fields of the massive combine and the boom, boom, boom. What about blackberry harvest? And I felt God say, no, I didn't make you a combine harvester to do the, the big, impressive millions. I made you a blackberry. And I thought, really? Well, what does that mean? And maybe you've looked at your life and said, well, I've done a bit of this and a bit of that, but what does it mean? So I get in my car, Oxford Radio's on, and it's going, well, this year hasn't been such a great wheat harvest. It's about average. The rain wasn't the right time. But I tell you what, girls, get out there in the hedgerows. This is Blackberry bumper year. You need to move those butts and get in the hedgerows because if you like Blackberry and apple pie, this is your year. And Oxford Radio carried on in its way. And I thought, Oh, and I felt Jesus say, hello, Rachel, Blackberries, this is your bumper year. And I'm on my way driving up to Birmingham to Battelle, which is one of my favorite places to preach. A whole lot of ex-addicts and people, and they're all crammed in this room. And this girl runs up and she says, oh, I'm so glad I've just seen you before I take the kids out. She says, let me introduce you, my three Blackberries. I said, pardon? She says, oh, sorry, it's our love language. My three little blackberries, seven, five, and two. She said, this one you prayed at just before we were married, because I'm a heroin addict, I messed myself up. So is my husband. We had nothing really left to work. But you prayed for us just before our wedding. We didn't use contraception. We thought, well, don't really need to. But nine months in, this is our number one. She said, then I wanted a second one. And I thought... Where's Rachel's preaching? And I found you were preaching down at Dave Carr's church in Sony Hall. So I went down there with some friends. This is baby number two. Then we wanted baby number three. And I heard you were doing a ladies' conference up in Derby. So I went up there. This is baby number three. Thank you, Rachel. I stood there and I said, oh, Jesus. You see, I didn't think my blackberry bush was very good. Seven years, five years, two years. But they had been growing and thriving. I just didn't know. Come on, many of you have been looking and you say, where is it? I want to prophesy to you today. Come on. God just had them hiding in the hedgerows. And he sent me here today, right at the end of 2017, to say, don't dismiss all that you've been hearing. It is bountiful harvest. Yes, there is a bountiful harvest. Now, I made myself cry, so I can't read my notes, so you can all take a breath. 
So you see, God wants you to create. Oh, look, my Kleenex are down there, but I'm scared I'm going to do something very acrobatic. There, I've done it. (laughs) God wants to create a place of divine intervention. Come on, right now, right here on this Sunday, make a God space in your mundane. Upgrade your expectation. You see, there was this man, Jacob, and we read it in Genesis 28. He had wrestled a lot with life. He hadn't done everything well, and he was now on a journey. And on this journey, he stopped. And it says in Genesis 28, 11, and he took one of the stones and he put the rock under his head and he went to sleep. You see, some of you, you've been wrestling a lot with life. You've been trying really hard to make it all work. But there comes a stop moment where you just need to pause, stop, and you need to take that rock of Jesus. You need to take that rock of God. And God uses that language of himself that he is the rock of all ages. And you need to put your head on that rock. And you need to let that way of thinking get into your stinking thinking. And you need to reverse some of the self-cursing and the self-failure that you're rehearsing to yourself. And put your head on the rock. And you see, when Jacob got in that position, head on the rock, looking into heaven, he said, my goodness, this is an awesome place. Now, a little while, he'd be moaning about his space and place. Suddenly, the place where he was became the doorway to heaven. And he could see, yes, he could see the ascending angels of heaven. And sometimes we live in that, get me out of here, God. Oh, if only I could see God. If only I could get up there. But God's saying, no, just get down there and do life. I want to invade your mundane with my miraculous. I want to come and walk with you in your very ordinary and make it extraordinary. I want to let heaven come to earth. Yes, you can look up to heaven and say, oh, one day I'll get out. It'll be over. And God's saying, no, 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 not so quick. And Jacob steps back and he goes, whoa, God is here. I was unaware. How awesome is my space? It's become a doorway. And you see, 2018 is going to be a day of open doors for some of you. God wants to get hold of you and say, I want to change a lot of your perspective. Let it be a day of open doors. Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 looks at it like this. It says, and after this... And some of you need to have an after this. There's, there's been some stuff, but after this, come on. I looked and I saw there is an open door. And I heard the voice of God challenging me and say, come on, come up here. I'm going to show you the next rhythm season of your life. There's a door that's open to you. There's a door of God's miraculous wanting to evade your space. You see, 2017 to me was a year of breakthrough. God says, I'm going to break through things. But when things break through, there's a lot of shaking. I've just had a new kitchen fitted. Oh, my Lord. As they took the old tiles off and they broke through doors and they, it's been hell. We just finished it the Wednesday before Christmas. 
What I have now is a dream. What I lived through was not pretty. But you see, a year breakthrough is like that. Everything shakes, everything quakes in the nation. Brexit, all that's going on, it doesn't look pretty. In your personal life, maybe it doesn't look pretty, but it's breakthrough. It's shifting, it's shaking. But when the breakthrough happens, it creates opportunity. There's an open door. You see, I often take my dog for a walk and I'm not always scrupulous about locking my door. There's an open door. But fortunately, no one in my community has ever taken advantage of the open door and taken any treasure. There are open doors in your life, but this is your moment to take advantage of the open door God's giving you. He's opening doors. There's been a breakthrough. Stuff has shifted. The vault door is now open. There's a room and a house of treasure for you. But will you be courageous to step up to the plate and say, I'm going in? Because you see, I was fascinated to see your next series is Courage. And you see, Caleb and Joshua were all about courageous steps to walk in to a bit of an unknown land, to break through, break barriers, break out, to seize the day of opportunity to gain treasure. What about you? Is there courage in you for this new season? You see, I believe 2018, God is asking you to upgrade your discernment and your courage. It's a time of intentional strategy. What do you really want to happen with your life? What do you really want that harvest to be? What do you really want to say, yes, thank you, Jesus. I was never going to build or be a pastor of a church of two, three thousand. I was never going to raise a budget of five, seven million. But what I was going to do was touch someone and see their life turned around. I was going to see that mum, mother well. I was going to see that marriage get restored. I was going to see that business turn around and make an amazing profit. I was going to see this house sold, etc., etc. Come on. What is it given to your hand? What is the open door before you? You see, I believe as people and as a church, Kingsgate included, but the UK church, we've been in a real heads down building season, getting our ducks in a row, getting processes, protocols, structures. It's been what we would call in the Bible apostolic time, building season. Let's build it. Let's build it. Let's build it. Let's build it. But after a while, it just feels like Lego. Why am I building this again and again? Surely there must be a new creation. I want to design something different. And I believe a shift is coming for 2018 that we need to look into heaven and then make it come on earth. I believe that we are moving into more a prophetic time where God begins to really instruct us slightly different. It's an awakening of all your creative juices. All those things that you thought, Oh, well, maybe not. I'm a bit older. Well, maybe I've moved on. Maybe that won't happen. I've come here to irritate them and say, no, no, no. It's a new day. It's a new season. 2018, the miraculous in your mundane. 2018, time to wake up what you thought was not going to happen. But how will that be? Well, you have to wrestle for it. It's going to take some courage. There's going to have to be something that says, come on, bring it on. I don't believe 2018 is going to be frothy cream with cherry on top. I think it's going to take people of courage. It's going to take people of tenacity. It's going to take people who are convinced with a confidence, this matters for me and I'm pressing in. But 
whoa, it's going to have people who celebrate the goodness of God that say, wow, God was with me. God heard my cry. God enlarged my territory. God gave me my relationship. God was amazing. I believe it is going to be a time for prayer. I had this book written for, I don't know, two, maybe two and a bit years. Couldn't get my hand to it. Then suddenly summer this year, God says, write it, get it finished. And more and more I feel God's going to put such a sound in us. I love prayer. I really love talking to God. Why? Because this is a season when God's going to awaken all that creativity in you so that you get the job done. It's wrestling time. If you were a biblical congregation living back in sort of 50 BC, you wouldn't have a very clear picture, wrestle. You would go down to the Colosseum in Rome and you'd see gladiatorial battles and you would know wrestling is a man fight to the death where one person gets the foot on the neck and it's done. Wrestling wasn't just a party game. It was to the death. This matters to me. In fact, Ephesians 6 puts it like this. This wrestling is no afternoon athletic contest, which we walk away from, forget, in a couple of hours. No, this is for keeps. This is life and death fight to the finish. It's against the devil and all his works. Something in you stands up and says, no, let me go. I'm made for this and I'm pressing through. And as we look at our Bible, we find that most of the heroes had to wrestle. But then they conquered. Caleb, 80 years old, he knew that he wasn't done, but he also knew he wasn't satisfied. And a cry came out of him, no, give me my mountain. I've got unfinished business and I'm not letting go. We have Hannah. Married to Elkanah. But she was barren. She was loved. But she had no generational legacy. And finally she was provoked by Pinina and she, something stood up and said, No, it's not enough that I just feel loved. I have within me a generational legacy. Give me my children. And she wrestled. And she birthed Samuel. We have David, King David. He had a calling of God to be an amazing king. But he messed up. He committed adultery, murdered the husband, got the wife pregnant. She birthed the son. And then the son was dying. And he wrestled, he fasted, he prayed for that baby. But the baby still died. And then Nathan, a prophet, comes to him and says, come on, David, what are you going to do? And what I love about David is it says of him, when that baby died, he wrestled right to the line. He lost the baby. It died. It never got raised from the dead. But it said he stood up, he washed his face, and he said, okay, I might have messed up my past, and I might have lost something today, but I'm not letting go of my tomorrow. 
I will take hold of the word of God in my life and I will run my race and finish the course. And it says of David in Acts chapter 4, and David fulfilled the purpose of God in his generation. That takes courage. And some of us need to stand up, wash our face and say, God, I do not understand that. I don't like it. It did not make sense. I wrestled to the line, but it's a stand up, wash your face and take hold of the rest of your lifetime. We have Ruth. And she had a mother figure called Naomi. Naomi means the pleasant, bountiful, nice, easy one. And Ruth knew that this relationship was significant. But Naomi got very bitter because life wasn't easy. She lost her husband. She lost her children. And so Naomi said, no, don't call me Naomi. I'm Mara. Bitter, twisted, mean. And Ruth said, no, but where you go, I go. And she said, nah, get lost. And Ruth is like, no, I'm going to wrestle. I need this relationship. Naomi, you're important in my life. There's something about you that's going to help me become who I should become. And she held on to Naomi and wouldn't let it go. Some of you have got relationships that have gone a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And you just say, ah, whatever. No, you know in your spirit, some of those relationships you have to go get hold of, even if it's at the spitting stage. Because actually there's something in that relationship that's going to find a way for you to actually become who you are. And Ruth pioneered with great courage and wrestled that relationship. And she found her man, gave birth to an amazing son. And Naomi, Ruth, Obed, lived happy ever after. Jesus. Jesus had to wrestle. Jesus came because he loves you. Jesus left heaven and he came to earth because he saw you. And right now, right here in 2017, he saw your life as valuable. And he left his father above and we have the Christmas story. came as a baby, totally vulnerable because you mattered. He left everything he knew and he came. And he knew that the price he'd have to pay was die a gruesome death to shed his blood to show that your life mattered more than his life. And he, he was prepared to give his life away to make you look good. And in John chapter 12, Jesus stands and he makes this comment, Oh God, if it's possible, let this cup go. In other words, this sacrifice is real hard. And he began to wrestle with the call and the sacrifice. But in this next moment, he says, no, for this purpose, I came to this moment. God, now help me. And some of you, you're in that tipping point moment. And there's a lot of sacrifice. But you know in your Noah, actually, you have to go through and let go some stuff to really discover what you were made for. It takes courage. It's wrestling season. But I wonder if in 2018, you will be people who are Isaiah 8:18, who have the courage to wrestle through and begin to let the tapestry of all the miracles of God come into your mundane. But you are those people with the other heroes of faith who stand up and say, yes, 2018, I'm going to live it. As a sign and a wonder. And yes, God, I have a great expectation that miracles are going to come through 
into my mundane and every. So just take a moment as we come to a close. Just think. Such an important day, the last day, transition step, 2017, 2018. But I want to ask you, where is God in your world? You see, I believe right now is a really important opportunity for you to set the GPS of your life, set the coordinates of your life, and make it God-centered. Maybe you've never really let God into your world. Well, heaven wants to invade your space. I love Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus when I was four years old. It was a Sunday evening service and something just fascinated me about the people who said they loved Jesus. And in a very childlike and simplistic way, I just said, God, I want you in my life. Keep very close to me. At the age of 10, I was in a service again. My parents were missionaries in India. And I remember looking at these people who were happy and I said, God, I want to know that joy. And I asked for the Holy Spirit to become part of my life. I remember at the age of 17, standing up and saying, God, this is now in my space. I want my life to make a difference for God. And there are moments of encounters on our journey of life where we open the door and we let Jesus into our world. It never happens by accident. It happens because of an intentional, courageous choice that says, God, if you're there, God, I want you in my world. At the age of 30, when we came back to England, having been missionaries in Africa myself, I remember standing in England saying, oh God, I don't feel very English because I'd grown up for 16 years in India and the rest of my time in Africa. But if you can use me in England, here I am, use me.